Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. We are continuing our January and February worship series on the hurtful things Christians say. And it's not because we believe that we want to say hurtful things, but instead we're reflecting on things that even though we intend for them to come from a good place in our heart, they can often be received with pain and even more suffering as we are seeking to be both a balm and a source of strength for people who suffer. And so it's appropriate for us to focus on these things that we have tended to say over time that if some of us have become part of our own tradition and how we articulate ourselves when we are confronted with struggles of other people. And today is God never gives you more than you can handle. I'm sure someone said that to you before. Or maybe you've watched somebody say that to somebody else. I can tell you there's nothing more edifying and endearing than when you are pouring out your heart in a moment of vulnerability and explaining to somebody how overwhelmed and, and just filled with sorrow and suffering you are. And then for them to turn around and go, well, God's never going to give you more than you can handle. And you're thinking, are you listening to me? I am telling you I have more than I can handle. Do I need to fall down and collapse under the spiritual weight of this for you to recognize that I am crying out? And one of the things that is difficult for us sometimes to remember is that we are trying to let people know that God would never pile more on you than God knows that you can handle. Yes, that's, that's a sentiment that we're trying to understand. But what people receive is everything that is going on may somehow trace back to God, which is not an accurate theology. In fact, as the prophet Jeremiah says, a lot of the evil and the sins of the people were being visited on innocent people. The poor and the orphan were being mistreated by people and they were suffering because of the sins of other human beings. And that's very true. God says in the prophet Jeremiah, I understand limits. I know barriers and boundaries. Take a look at the ocean as powerful and as such a strong chaotic force as it can be. I have restrained it. I have set limits to it so that it cannot harm you. So that there are places where you will know that you can have safety and dry land. I understand this perfectly. And I have tried to do the same thing with human hearts. However, as Jesus points out, a lot of sin can come out of the human heart. And that sin creates pain and suffering and chaos in the lives of many people. And when someone is willing to actually share that, to rip down any veneer of everything is just fine and be authentic with us about, you know what, it's not just fine and let me tell you how bad it really is. For us to come back and not recognize that their pain is valid, that their suffering is something significant and needs to be addressed, then what we end up doing is kind of letting them know, you know what, you're just a mess right now. Clearly, you don't appreciate that God thinks that you can do all of this or that even God knows that you can do all of this without recognizing that a lot of their suffering is not coming from God. Now, it might be coming from some of their own sin, and it's certainly coming from the sins of others. We live in a world where both individual and communal sin and even institutionalized sin creates incredible hardship for people. And when they're willing to voice that, we have a duty in the name of Jesus Christ to hear them crying out from their suffering and not simply negating it. 
So when the prophet Jeremiah is speaking to God's people and saying, you need to recognize that God is not wanting to burden you, but instead to bless you, to prosper you. Jeremiah will also say, I know the plans that I have for you, to prosper you. I know who you are and I value you and I don't want to weigh everything down upon you so that you become crippled and crooked from the weight of the world, but instead that you can stand upright and righteous before me. As you heard from the reading from Matthew, Jesus even says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus came to set us free from what seemed like an insurmountable burden. The yoke of the covenant at Mount Sinai, the Mosaic covenant, was 613 commandments. None of us know all of them, myself included, because it's that heavy a burden. And as I said last week, sometimes I'm lucky if I can just get the top 10 out of someone. But instead, Jesus said, let me reframe this for you. All of those commandments, the entire covenant, rests upon two things, that you shall love the Lord and you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus was trying to actually help us to take on something that seems manageable, that seems like we can do this. This is all about love. I have to love God and I have to love others. Of course, the problem with that is that some of us know our neighbors very well and they're not so lovable. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, some of our neighbors know that we're not always lovable, too. And so we struggle with these pieces. It's a hard thing relationship, not just with God, but with other people. And so we have to be very attentive to how we're talking to people. God says, I want you to understand that I am for you. That as Jesus says, I would leave the 99 to come and find you. No matter where you are, no matter the trouble you're in, I will fight off every lion, bear, wolf. I will come for you, and I will not forsake you. I desire for you to know that I am yours and that you are mine, repeated constantly throughout the scriptures. So God isn't seeking to overwhelm us and overburden us. But as one of my teachers taught me, as a teacher who's come to my wedding, a teacher I'm, I'm still in contact with, apparently I'm going to do her funeral you know, that kind of comes with the territory here. Um, but one of the things she taught me in high school was that, one, you have to pay attention to how you are approaching your life. She used to say that living is like being given a shovel and that you had the opportunity to shovel things out so that you can get out of the hole. Or some of us, through our outlook and through our habits and through the ways in which we choose to live, are actually shoveling on top of ourselves. Right? We're making it worse. We're adding the piles. And that life is also about recognizing who we give shovels to. Sometimes we're giving shovels to people that are shoveling on top of us too. You're trying to shovel out, and they are dumping it right back in. You ever experienced that? Go to the beach sometime and just watch as some parent is really committed to the sandcastle, and the kid's like dumping this. We're going back in this way. The parent's like, stop that. We're trying to build a sandcastle. And the kid's like, nope, oh, going this way. Because we have to pay attention. Who are we empowering to visit into our lives either the ability to help us or to hinder us? And so when we equip people with shovels, we have to make sure that we're in communication because the last thing we want is, okay, you shovel over here and I'll shovel over here and I'll just flip it this way and you'll flip it that way and we'll just exchange dirt. That'll be fun, won't it? We won't get anywhere, but at least we'll feel like we've done something for 24 hours. Instead, we are called to be a people who say, you know what? 
I've got things I'm shoveling out of and you've got things you're shoveling out of. Let's agree to be here with each other and hopefully we'll actually get out of this together and let's shovel that way. First, we need to make sure there's nobody over there, but we'll shovel that way together and we will overcome together. Or for some of us, we may have gotten out of our hole and now we're here and going, hey, I got a shovel. Who needs help? Who needs help getting out? That is the paradigm of the body of Christ, that we are a people who are looking to help other people. And so when they are willing to be honest about, I'm struggling with this hardship, I am struggling with this in my health, this is what is terrifying me about my finances, or here is where things are so broken in a relationship that it just makes me want to stop going on. We can't negate that or minimalize it. Instead, we have to receive it, to acknowledge it, and to say, God is with you and for you. And God has me here at a place where I want to be with you and for you too. What would be helpful for you right now? How can I manifest God's love and forgiveness and grace for you as you are struggling to get out of this hole, this burdensome darkness, and find the light of Jesus Christ that Christ came to bring to you? What would you need? What would help look like? How can we as the body of Christ support you in this endeavor? Instead of just going, you know what? God put you in that hole. God knows you can dig out. Just go for it. And come see me later. Because if we really do think that the church is just a place for people who have figured out how to shovel themselves out, we're kidding ourselves. Church is a place for people who sometimes make a little progress and sometimes it all comes rushing back in. Sometimes we get the dirt out only to discover that the hole's so deep we can't pull ourselves out. Sometimes you're in the middle of getting it out and then it rains. And now we have mud up to our knees. Life is full of opportunities for us to realize that God seeks to bless us. And one of the ways God has chosen that is through human vessels. And our scouts are an example of that. People who realize that they are growing into adulthood and they want to do that by manifesting certain virtues and characteristics. They don't want to just grow up and be just another person that is adding to the problems of the world. They want to serve. They want to help cultivate things within them and within community that will make this world a better place. That is precisely why the church teams up with the scouting programs, because that is our motivation as well. We understand that we are here not to be served, but to serve. And so we model that for one another. We model that for people who have not yet discovered their rightful place in the family of faith. And for people who are struggling to see that there are people in this world that will love them completely altruistically, that will choose to be in a relationship with them, not because of what we might get out of it, but because God has sent us to people who need to know that they have not been abandoned, they are not forsaken, and that God is with them and for them. And so the body of Christ exists. We struggle with this. So when we hear people say, I have all of this going on and it just feels like it's way too much. Instead of responding with, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. Perhaps we could start to change our language to say, I know that God is for you. I know that God is with you. And sometimes it may not feel like God is with you in this moment, but I know that God is with you. And I want to show you that God is with you too. And together we will get out of this. We will go into a bright and beautiful future. We will journey into a place where there is no more sickness or mourning or crying or death. We will get there and we will get there together. And God asks all of us to be a part of that journey for one another. As Philippians says, to bear one another's burdens, to share. 
so that no one person bears all of the suffering. Nor will any one of us be able to skate by without having to address that we live in relationship with one another. And that we must take time to figure out what is it that God would have us do. Carrying on that image that my teacher gave to me, a youth at Oberdick would be so proud to know that I have not forgotten the lesson of shovel out. That one of the things we as Christians do is that we focus on who do we give shovels to, right? To whom are we empowering to place things on us in the name of Jesus Christ? And in the church, we struggle with this. I mean, I've preached before about church burnout, right? I had somebody at 9.30 when I said, how many of us have ever been burned out by the church? And it was like, woo! I was like, that's not really the response I was looking for. Uh, I was looking for more of an internal motivation that said like, no, we don't burn you out here. But I know that it's not true. I know that there are people that have been burned out at this church. I know that there are people that I have burned out. And we struggle with this. I struggle with it as clergy. We struggle with this as a body of Christ that we don't want to take everything from somebody till they have nothing left and in fact when they have nothing left they're filled with resentment they're filled with a fear that we're just going to keep taking and taking and taking there are people who go you know I've given you all that I have and I need a break I don't need, you know and then they feel like they can't show up because they'll just get pounced upon to do something else and over the course of the last month I've had a, an incredible number of conversations about, with people who have said you know, I feel like it's time for me to do something new. I have been a part of this vital ministry. I have been a part of something that has grown. It has been fruitful. It has been a means of grace to people. But now I feel like God's calling me to something else. And my response is, great, that's fine. That's absolutely okay. And the fear that comes back is, well, what if I leave and, and you know, and it doesn't continue? Or what if I leave and, and you know, everybody keeps trying to rope me back in and and that's where we as the body of Christ have to say, no, that sometimes ministry is for a season. And then there's a new ministry and a new season for us. And sometimes when you leave a ministry, if it can't perpetuate, then it's a, that season for that ministry is, is over and maybe it needs to lie fallow before someone new is raised up to carry it. Or sometimes you'll be amazed at how fluidly God raises up someone to carry on a ministry where someone needs to take time away. The United Methodist Church is built on this principle. That's why people serve, hopefully, for no more than three years in a position or with a committee or with a board, and then they are given a year to lie fallow and to rest. That doesn't mean for that entire year they don't come to church and they don't come and, and fellowship with us and they don't do anything else in the church. It means that they have rested from the administrative burden that they bared. And then, then they have the opportunity to figure out, of, hey, should I come back in and do that again or should I do something new? Where is God calling me now? And it's a discernment process. It's part of a conversation that happens not only in an individual household, but in the greater household of God. It's a conversation that oftentimes includes myself and the other person. And when someone says to me, I need a break, it's incumbent upon me and us to recognize this person is speaking their truth. They need a break. And they might not disclose to us all the reasons why they need a break, but we have to receive that and we need to figure out what it is that we need to do, not only to continue the work of Jesus Christ, to accomplish God's will, but also to be good stewards of one another. Christians are meant to be good stewards of one another, to take care of each other. That was one of the last things that Jesus did from the cross. Looked down and saw the beloved disciple, looked down and saw his mother, and said, I am leaving, but I want you to care for her, and I want you to be his new mother. I want you two to carry on what we began together. 
what a beautiful model that is for us, that we flow in and out of ministry, but that we never cease to be in any ministry at all, but that ministry changes over time because we are changing over time. Our life circumstances, the ways in which we understand who we are meant to be in the body of Christ, sometimes we have to step out of a position so that people can step in. Sometimes we need to recognize that while I have done this for a time, I think God is calling me to do something new now. And we struggle with figuring that out, but that is part of the journey. The discernment, the reading of scripture, the prayer, the holy conversation, and ultimately working together not for our own glory, but for the glory of God and the best for the body of Christ. So when we hear people who are daring enough to share their suffering with us, we have to make sure that what they receive back from us is not anything that would keep them from ever doing that again, but instead to affirm for them holy truths. You are known. You are loved. You are forgiven. And God is with you. These truths we hold sacred, not just in the United Methodist Church, but in the global church of Christianity across denominations. And for us to receive that pain and then to respond with unparalleled compassion and kindness is truly to give glory to God. So that's the struggle for us as we move forward into what will God have us be, which is one of the gifts of Lent, that we're going to have this opportunity to look and say, well, Lord, here's who I have been since last Easter. Who would you have me become after this one? What would you have me do? How would you have me serve? How might you have me lead? And ultimately, Lord, send me where I can serve you and your beloved. Let me be the one that you send to be a balm, to be a blessing, so that all might come to recognize that you are their God and that they are your beloved people. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.